everybody, it's Rich. Welcome, or welcome back, to the Access Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music, as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access, and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. This church it is great to be with you this morning. Thanks for just having me uh, here as a guest. And um, man, I, I know a lot about you guys, uh, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But uh, my name is Eric, and uh, I am from Chicagoland. And so um, let me just tell you, it's really, really good to be here this morning <laughs> because uh, Chicago is not beautiful this time of year. Although we did leave, it was 59 degrees, which was, was kind of nice. Um, but uh, your pastor kind of makes fun of me sometimes, uh, being from the Midwest, um, as if he forgets his 15 years of living in purgatory, I mean, the Midwest. Um, but anyways, uh, let me be transparent. It's just really refreshing uh, to be here. This is kind of what we saw uh, a couple weeks ago uh, on the screen here. Yeah, that was our house. And so uh, it was a little chilly. But uh, as I mentioned, my name's Eric. This is a picture of my family. There are five of us, uh, my wife, Stacia, and I. Um, and then two kids. Uh, one is still in college, uh, and then two, excuse me, two are out of college. And uh, you can see that the two of them attend the Naval Academy, or one, one does, but you'll hear a little bit more about that story in just a, a few moments. Um, I was a pastor for years. Um, I was actually uh, a, a, a music pastor, a worship pastor for years, okay? So let me give you a little bit of insight into a worship pastor. We sometimes, we're kind of weird, and we think in songs, Okay, I don't know if you do that, but I tend to do that. I tend to think in songs. And so uh, this is kind of an example of, of what I might do. I associate certain situations with songs, uh, certain conversations with songs. Um, it's really quite disturbing. And uh, when I meet certain people, sometimes they remind me of a song. Does anybody do that? Is it just me? Okay, it's just me. Uh, people like me are institutionalized back in the past for some reason. But anyways, that's, uh, that's just how I think. And so uh, a lot of those songs, it's kind of funny. I wrote them down one time, and they're songs from the 80s and from the 90s. That's just kind of the songs uh, I think of in my mind. So my greatest fear this morning, just to be honest with you, is that I start singing randomly one of these songs that just pops into my mind. Just kidding. I promise I won't do that, okay? Um, hey, we feel uh, connected to Access Church for a lot of reasons. Um, we've known Rich and Stephanie for about uh, 30 years. Um, but besides that, I've also, done, I've also set up for Upstreet. Uh, I've greeted people in the parking lot. I've done teardown. Uh, I have loaded the trailers. Did I mention that I did that in the middle of June as well? So I got the full Access experience, which was really fun. But I've also had time to uh, hang out with your leadership and just talk about what access might look like in the future. You guys have a lot of really cool things that God is doing here. And so how do you, how do you land some of that stuff? And so I've gotten a chance to, to talk about that. But beyond that, uh, I just love the church. I really do. Um, there's nothing like it on earth at all. There's nowhere that you can gather with the people that we get to gather with and the people that pray for you and love you and know the names of your kids when they come running in. 
Sometimes there's good coffee at church. Sometimes there's donuts. I remember my kids running into church and uh, grabbing donuts, sometimes two or three. It, they made sure we weren't looking first. And then when we started to look, they would shove them into their mouths. And uh, that's just kind of how our kids did it. But you probably see that as well. There's worship in the church, right? There's giving, there's singing, there's praying, there's teaching. And those are all part of what worship is, right? There are the sacraments of baptism of the Lord's Supper, really special times we get to celebrate as the church. And as we think about what that looks like, um, there are even people who are roaming the hall saying, hey, are you in a small group yet? And they've asked us for the 20th time, right? But they, that's, that's the beauty of the church. The church does not give up on people. The church is a gathering of people. It's a community where you can be known and you can be loved. And the church is for you because we are the church. It's kind of crazy and cool at the same time. It's, it's kind of hard to process and put together, but we're going to do that a little bit this morning. The church isn't always pretty, though, either, is it? So the first time you probably realize that the church is a bunch of people and not a building is the first time that somebody may have burned you in the church. Then all of a sudden, you wish the church were just a building. Church sometimes gets a little messy. So are there a lot of terms that the Bible uses to describe the church? You've probably heard a lot of these, the Bride of Christ, the General Assembly, the House of God, Mount Zion. And then there's this term we're going to dig a little bit deeper in that you dug into last week, which is the body of Christ. Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? But there's an illustration there. The hands, the feet, the ears, the eyes of the body of Christ, all these parts that are attached and have a function. But when they aren't attached, they're rendered pretty much useless. But that's the church. The church, body, God's body dwelling here on earth. The church the way God intended it to be. The body of Christ literally means Christ embodied through you and through me. So when we serve kids in the church, or we connect with someone at the doors as a greeter, or when we pray, or when somebody prays for you, that's the body of Christ right there. You, Access Church, we're the body of Christ. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you are the body of Christ. So last week, what we did is we spent some time uh, defining the church and how God designed the church. This morning, we're going to dive into three things. It's three marks of the church that I think are really, really helpful, okay? And so these are the three marks of the church. The church is uh, a vibrant church community is surrendered, a vibrant church community is interested, and a vibrant church community is shared. Those are the three things we're going to hit today. Let me pray before we do that. God, I want to thank you uh, that you have called us to gather to this place today. Uh, for whatever reason, we're here, and I'm thankful. It's so good to be with your people. And so, God, uh, the words I speak today are hollow without you at work, and so I recognize that this morning in front of all these friends that you are at work, and I want to say thank you for that. So use these words, use your scriptures, use the truths that we've already sung, to bring together a story that reminds us of the beauty of the church. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we, uh, as we explore what the church is supposed to be, there's a passage 
of scripture that really encourages me as I try to center my understanding of what Jesus intends the church to look like, okay? This is from Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It's gonna be on the screen here. Let me read it for you. So then you, okay, and that's those of you who have surrendered to Jesus, are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole, world, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here's the church, this beautiful community of strangers and foreigners from a diversity of backgrounds, which we have been invited into to belong. So I want you to think about that just for a moment, okay? Uh, some of you this morning feel as if you don't fit anywhere, that maybe you don't have a place anywhere. But this truth is your hope. In God's family, no matter what your background or how bad things have been or how significantly you think you've messed up, you need to hear and know right now this morning that there is a place for you in the church. And I want you to think about that before we go any further. So with that in mind, let's get started. A vibrant church is a community that is surrendered, all right? So we're going to have a lot easier time of understanding what surrender means and why it's important if we look back a bit in Scripture to understand a little bit of the order of how things occurred. So this whole community thing, how did it come about? Back in the very beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis is this really uh, important account, okay? It says this, Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So scripture tells us what? That God's formed us, but he's formed us differently from the rest of creation. Did you catch that? Like, so there's five days in creation, and God speaks, and then it was, and God speaks, and then it was, God speaks, then it was, and then the sixth day, something really cool happens. And this is Genesis 1, 26, and it says this. Then God said, let us... Catch that. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky. And so there's this whole account of everything that man is given rule over. So God formed us, but he really formed us for community. How do we know? Because Genesis formed us, said he's formed us in his image, and his image is community in and of itself. Did you catch that? His image is community in and of itself. Let us. So he is the community, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is community there. And he invites us into that community as the ones that he has created. It's for his pleasure and for our good. And that is so important to understand and grasp. So God is the initiator, right, of community. And we're created by him and for him and for community with him. But... We're also created for community with one another. By the way, did you notice uh, if you read the first five days of creation, God calls them good. And then at the end of the sixth day in Genesis 1.21, he looked at everything he had made and it was what? It was very good. Uh, after he made man, of course. So one theologian says this, that when we were created, we were created to be whole and complete, lacking nothing. Honoring and glorifying God. 
I want you to process, process that this morning. You were created whole and complete in God. And that's a great truth. But God doesn't stop there. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he makes man a helper. Are you getting the picture here? God loves community. And creation is a part of that foundation that ties us together. So to Ephesians chapter two, which we read in the beginning, let me go back to verse 21 here. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And this is the cool part. God has been building this community since the beginning of creation, an amazing master plan. He's meticulously put it together. God joining each of us in this room together, but not just with ourselves, but with people from the past, the apostles, the prophets, Christ Jesus himself, as it says in Ephesians. So I think we kind of understand what the truth says. What do we do with this? How do we respond? Well, I think one way we respond is we surrender. Why? You have to hold that thought for just a minute. We're going to try something else here. So the word surrender, I want to talk about that just a little bit. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Sometimes I think of that word in the context of war. So when you surrender in war, what happens? Well, you basically have no more options, right? At least that's how it goes in the movies from what I've seen, war movies. Um, but you're at the mercy of someone else. When you surrender, there's nowhere else to go. When you surrender, you cease resisting. When you surrender, you give yourself up or you hand yourself over to a new authority. So I showed the picture in the beginning. Two of our children attended the Naval Academy. One's actually there right now in Annapolis. And uh, we're super proud of them. But we actually, uh, to be honest with you, have no idea why they chose to do that. That is not an easy path to do. Guess what happens when you go to the Naval Academy for the first time? You go, parents go, uh, your child goes, and you hug them as they enter, as they leave your, your hugs, they enter into a building and they're gone for a while. And so everything that is unique about them, everything that's individual about them is basically taken away when they walk into that door. And then they're handed everything they need to be a part of that community. Basically, you look like this. You look like everyone else. Guys, your heads are shaved. They do that. They kind of like get the razors going and the guys' heads are shaved. But everybody wears these frumpy, baggy, white clothes. They wear this Dixie cap. And this one has been worn, you can see, quite well uh, all through the summer of plebe summer. But there are several reasons that they make you do this, right? I suppose wearing a uniform means legacy. It connects you to those who've gone before you and as well as those you serve with currently. You realize you belong to something bigger than yourself. Wearing a uniform shows respect and loyalty and duty and commitment. It also distinguishes you so that other people know what side you're on, right? So there's something else it does. A uniform reminds us and others of who you serve, of who you serve. But here's the other reality, and I love this. The other reality is, even though they strip you of everything that represents you as an individual when you walk in, they're not taking away your identity. Why? Because they need everybody's unique gifts to be a part 
of the operations of what takes place. They just need all those gifts pointed in the same direction. This beautiful community, the church that God has created, the body of Christ, he's not forcing us into something and making us conform. Ephesians 2 tells us he's inviting us, each one of us, inviting us to bring our unique gifts and talents that he has given us by the way and to surrender them for the building of his church. The church he is building is one of a kind and he knows what he wants it to look like. And he invites us into that. This church is his community. It's his plan. We can't be the church until we first surrender to him. Make sense? So why do we surrender? Well, we've kind of answered that question, but let me ask this question. What does he offer? Like, what kinds of things does he offer when we surrender? Every good surrender story seems to have some kind of offering, right? Well, God, God does offer something. And he offers us this. He offers us life. Life. And to get a picture of that, I want to just roll through Ephesians chapter 2. I want to back up a little bit. And you can look at your phone and look at Ephesians 2 while I summarize this just to see if I, what I'm saying is really true. But I'm just going to roll through this really quick because what he offers you, us, today in life is absolutely incredible. Ephesians 2.1, it says this. Without Jesus, we were completely dead in our sin and our trespasses. Then God started to work. We lived in rebellion. We followed chaos. We did whatever we chose, wanted to, choo wanted to choose to do. We carried out our desires. We lived separate from God in confusion and despair. And then these words, the greatest conjunction in scripture, but God, but God, rich in mercy, it says in verse four because of his great love for us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead, he made us alive together in Christ. He gave us a place with Christ, declaring that we were no longer strangers, and he gave us an imperishable inheritance. But God, his work, not our work, right? He brought us near. Verse 14 says he made peace with us, and he gave us a promise. Let me ask you this. Forget, forget the original question I asked, why should we surrender? The question really is, how could you not consider surrendering to a God who just offers all of that? All compassion and love and kindness channeled through Christ, Jesus' righteousness taking the place of our sin. We're no longer condemned. The good things you've done, you can't do enough of, right? And the bad things, they're going to be erased. Even the things that you do in the future as you walk to become more like him. It's unreal. It's almost scandalous in a way. This idea that God gives us righteousness and takes away the wrath that we deserve. The God of the universe who owes us nothing makes peace with you. I know for some of you, that's a lot to process. And I want to tell you this morning, that's, you don't have to process that all today. That's a lot, but it's a wonderful truth. And we needed to hear that together this morning. But let me ask you this question anyways. Have you surrendered to God? And if not, would you at least open your mind and allow him to kind of show his unrelenting love to you? He wants to do that. 
But surrendering to God is only the first step. The body of Christ also surrenders to one another. How does that work? Well, if we're truly surrendering to God, then we surrender to the things that he cares about. The body of Christ that we're invited into, the church, it's not perfect. And sometimes we have to give deference in the church to one another so that it can move forward. So we have to surrender to one another. And here's the thing, whether you're a Christ follower or whether you're not a Christ follower this morning, he doesn't want just a part of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want to be an appendage. He doesn't want to be a sidekick. He doesn't want to be a genie in the bottle. You miss the beauty of the benefit of walking with him unless you fully surrender to him. So what happens when we surrender? What does it look like? Can I just give you a picture of what that looks like? Many of you have experienced this, but some maybe not. When we surrender, we make much of Jesus and less of ourselves. So that's incredibly freeing when we don't have to feel the pressure to promote ourselves. Think about that when you're posting on social media. When we surrender, God builds us and joins us together. And finally, we see a purpose for the gifts and the abilities we've been given. We find a place. We find the place where we fit. And then you start to appreciate the diversity of gifts and other things that as you, as you look at the other people that are around you. Third thing, when we surrender, he builds unity that moves us forward as a unit, as a church. And there's this power in the collective, right? People look into the window of our lives and they see something, they notice something. And it's one unified body moving forward. I have a friend named Dave. Um, I... He works at a store that I frequent, and I've popped into that store several times, and I thought, you know what? I need to make some conversation with Dave. And so I asked him questions, and I just got to know him a little bit. And he told me one day about his daughter, who was struggling in school and struggling with a lot of other things. And um, he just said, man, it's been tough. And I said, hey, Dave, can I pray for that? And he said, sure. I said, don't worry, I'm not going to do it now <laughs> in the store, but can I, can I be praying for you? And so I did, and I prayed for weeks. And then I would ask him when I stopped back into the store, Dave, how's she doing? How's Gianna doing? And we would, we would have these conversations in the store for months. And then one day I come in and he says, you know what, Eric, I got to tell you, Gianna's doing awesome. She's doing great. And when I came back the next time, she's still doing great. It's great. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for praying, by the way, he said. Three weeks ago, I walked into the store and Dave said, hey, you know what? I got to tell you the craziest story. Um, I was feeling sick one night and I walk in, uh, I'm, at, I'm working at the store and then I, I just drive myself over to the, to the emergency room and I've got a blood clot in my heart and like they took care of it and I'm okay, but I just wanted you to know that that, that happened. I said, wow, Dave. And I just listened to him and came back a week and a half later and I said, Dave, I want to tell you something. Every day this week, I thanked God that he spared your life. And I know he did that for a reason. You know what Dave said to me? He said, <laughs> you're right. And I've never talked to him about church. He said to me this, he said, Eric, I feel like I need to get back to church. Something's changed, something's different. You know what, sometimes our realities drive us to realize that we need to surrender. So let me ask you this question this morning. What might some of those realities be in your life of what you need to surrender to God? Maybe you've surrendered your life to him and you follow Jesus, but maybe there's some other things that you need to surrender. I had something like that this past week. 
I was listening to a sermon last week and writing notes and taking notes. And you know what I was doing? I was saying, hey, this would be perfect to tell my kids. This would be perfect to tell Access Church. This would be, and I, God stopped me. And he said, Eric, no, you need that. You need that. So stop thinking about how everybody else needs to go. And you surrender your life. And listen to what I'm having to say and apply it to your life. So this morning, I want to ask us to do something. I'm going to give you a few seconds just to think while some quiet music plays. What are some areas that you need to surrender? Let's take some, a few moments to do that. All right, and a vibrant church community is marked by surrender. Second thing we want to talk about this morning is a vibrant church community is also invested. So being joined together into this amazing community called the church, it can't be passive, right? We have to be active. We have to participate. We have to invest. Why? Well, simply put, God first invested in us so that we could continue building his church. Ephesians 2.19 says this, So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens, members of his household. God gives us the gift of citizenship, doesn't he? And he invites us into his household. Ephesians 2.4 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, made us what? He made us alive in Christ. Through Christ, as we talked about, he's replaced death. He's replaced life with death. Ephesians 2.7, so in the coming ages, he might show his immeasurable riches. He holds nothing back. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It is a gift of God, a free gift that he offers us, free and clear of any obligation at all. So what God has invested in us is nothing short of what I would call lavish. Have you ever um, had someone give you something so far beyond what you could have ever imagined? I've, I've seen that happen with people whose car break down and they can't afford the repair and somehow out of, out of the blue, an anonymous check comes. Or I've seen people have medical bills and they can't pay them. And I've, I've seen the church step up and say, hey, we're gonna help cover that or be a part of uh, helping you with that. I remember um, one time uh, Stacia was working for Chick-fil-A and she, um, she had this opportunity to be gone all summer. So we're gonna lose some income to, to go on a missions trip, right, overseas. And it was such an amazing opportunity, but we were like trying to figure out how do we do childcare for our daughter? And she's making this delivery through Chick-fil-A to the pastor into his church. And the pastor's asking her about it and trying to understand what she's doing. And she says, yeah, I've got this mission trip. We're trying to figure it out. So I'd appreciate your prayers for that. And the pastor calls her back sometime later and says, you know what? My wife runs a summer fine arts camp. And you know what? We'd love for your daughter to go and we'd love to gift her that opportunity 
to go. Stacia took that opportunity, my wife, to, to say yes to God and to step forward. And then God answers that prayer in such an, an amazing way. And that lavish giving is just a, an amazing picture to us about what God does. And you probably have some examples of that as well. You know, the, the, the minimum thing that you can invest in a community, um, I suppose, is this. It's your attendance, Right? Do you know what the average person now attends church uh, one out of every four or five Sundays? So that used to be three out of every four, and then it was two out of every four, and now it's less than once a month. 54% of churches today, they're declining in attendance. There's one piece of good news in this. I got to show you some good news, right? Millennials are returning to church. That's up 19% since 2019. So why am I telling you this? I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad in any way. I'm simply saying if you don't show up to church, you're probably not going to love it. You probably will see more things wrong with it than you will see things right because you lose sight of the big picture. You lose sight of the stories of what God's doing. And you will likely feel that you can't find your place. And sometimes we blame the church for that. But being present in attendance isn't always a solution, but it's an important step. God wants us to be connected to the body, and he has much to offer us. So let me ask you this question. Your time, your relationships, your gifts, your abilities, your finances, your resources. If God invested the way he did, are you willing to invest in the church? And I'm not asking you to, like, give everything over to the church that you have. I'm just asking you that if you're willing to surrender certain parts of what he's given you, So that if he calls you to do something, you're not holding on so tightly and you say no. Everything he has given us is his to begin with. He allows us this privilege of stewarding it and keeping it and using it to honor him. And so let's invest and build up the church in the ways that God has called. A vibrant community is surrendered. A vibrant community is invested. And lastly, a vibrant community is shared. Let me paraphrase a couple of scriptures in 1 Corinthians. You guys read this last week. So I'm going to just paraphrase. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the body doesn't consist of one member, but what? Many. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as it is, there are many parts in the body. Just one body, many parts. The church is a church of the many, Right? Have you ever really stopped to think about where these people in the church come from? Sometimes I think the church tries to take a page from Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is kind of the theme this morning, isn't it? They try to create raving fans. But I, and I love that phrase, by the way, but I don't know that that's what we're supposed to do. Everything we know about God is that he is the one who creates raving fans. So what he offers us through Jesus is the greatest movement that has ever been known to man. And he creates raving fans. But there's a gap that exists between those who don't know about the church and those who are in the church. Do you ever think about that? That's hard sometimes, the gap between those who aren't a part of the church and those who are in the church. And that gap is that people need to hear the good news of the gospel. They need to be told. They need to be invited in. That means somebody has to first go out and get them. So community needs to be shared. We are the ones to share it, right? God is the one who's doing the transforming. So as Christ followers, we know that the church, we know what the church has to offer. Sometimes I think we just don't know how to share what the church offers. 
Sometimes I think we wonder when we're too concerned about what people might think about us, and we forget about what people think about God. So there's this phrase, every time I walk in, I see to, to this church, I, I see four St. John's. And I love that tagline. I wear the t-shirt myself, sometimes around my Chicago suburb, suburban home, and, and nobody gets it in Chicago. They don't know what St. John's is. And I don't get too many questions about it. But I bet if you wear that shirt, you do. What do you tell people when you wear that t-shirt and they ask about it? Besides the church being a great place to belong, I think the resources that a church can provide are so important. Think about what some of those resources are. A game plan for life. How do you live this life? Clarity in the midst of chaos. The body of Christ is full of people who have been impacted by the gospel and ready to freely share it so that others come and hear and understand through the chaos of their lives. So dream with me just a little bit here. What if every church was full of people who raised their hand and said, I'm all in. And they used their gifts and their talents and their time and their resources to make Jesus known. Some by preaching, some by teaching, some by loving children, some by sharing how they've overcome marriage struggles, some by um, helping people understand how to parent. Uh, Sometimes that's a really hard pathway, right? Some who pray diligently with a heart that seems to be connected to God. Some who share mercy and compassion and what seems like an unending well. What if every church was full of those people? Here's the deal. I think many churches are full of those people. And from what I've seen and what I believe, Access Church is full of those people. Many of you are doing those things right now. 21 of you stepped up and said, hey, I, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be a part to serve here. For some of you, it's like a, it's, a, it's a joy. For some of you, it's hard. You're laboring, right? But you do it anyways because you, have, you understand the power and the influence of a community such as this, making a difference in the lives of people. Access Church, if you live well in front of people, they'll take notice. But I don't think it stops there. Let me challenge you. Go and get them. They're already a part of your circle of influence. They just need to hear. And they need to be pursued. So let me ask you this question. I've asked a lot of questions this morning, haven't I? Who are you sharing this community with? What steps will you take to tell them about the church? And How are you going to tell them that the church has impacted your life? There's endless opportunities out there to do this. 1 Corinthians 3 says something that I think is really important. That is that some plant the seed, some water it, but God gives the growth. Think about that for a moment. Some plant, some water, but it's God's responsibility to give the growth. There's a picture of... uh, of someone that I want to show that embodies this story better than anyone I know. Talks about, this story is about how the church was faithful. And so he left his home country, this guy in Syria, 1960. He left for education here in the United States. He was a Muslim. He came over to go to Michigan Tech University. He had a plane ticket, his Muslim faith, $500. 
that he had earned through tutoring English students in Syria. Interesting. And then he had these dreams of a better life. So international students weren't very common back then. And, it, and so here's, here's the challenge. He, he, had, he struggled to fit in as a foreigner. But he had all these people that were kind to him, invited him into their homes. Many of these people were, guess what, Christ followers. They showed hospitality. They'd invited him to come live with them. They fed him. They invited him to their table. They treated him, some of them, like a son. And he eventually married and met this Ohio farm girl and had kids and was living the American dream. And faith wasn't really at the forefront of what he was thinking, but he decided to go ahead and attend church with his family because for four generations, that family attended that little country church. And it was a church that talked about the Bible, but didn't really talk about what the Bible meant. But I think he went because he saw the lives of Christ followers before that and knew that there was something that he needed to find. Despite a successful career, life threw challenges his way. Raising a family wasn't easy. Being an immigrant wasn't always fair. His family began attending church that preached and lived out a Bible, a new church. And these things started to make more sense to the family. And they started to have transformative experiences. They surrendered their lives to Jesus. But he held back. People still loved him. Most people did, anyhow. Some people in the church kind of made it difficult. Some asked really uncomfortable questions. Some didn't understand why he held back. There was something there that he knew he wanted. It just wasn't clicking. Until one day, it did. And he surrendered his life to Jesus. I baptized him one Sunday. And I baptized him with my kids because that man's my dad. And if somebody hadn't planted a seed and many, many other people hadn't watered it, there's a good possibility I wouldn't be a part of the body of Christ. It took years. It took over 30 years for that to make sense and to click. Sometimes it's the long game access, but God is the one who gives the growth. We plant the seeds and we water them. So as I think about you as a church and what I've observed, can I just share a few things that I think make you distinctive as we close? What I think you should share with people about Access Church Number one, this is a church that wants to help you navigate God's game plan for your life. The Bible, it's taught here. It's life-giving. And it's not just for you, it's for others. Second thing, Access Church is a community that walks with families, enjoys, and challenges of life. There's no quick formula that can replicate that. You have a pastor who loves you, and all these people around you that will support you. And that's an amazing fact. Third thing, this church wants to help train your kids to be the legacy of the next generation. I see what you invest in kids in this place. Access is committed to that. Your kids aren't going to get better exposure to the Bible than in this place. And the last thing I think you should tell people about, about Access Church is this. 
I think you actually do care about the people of St. John's and the surrounding area. And I think you do want to, you want them to hear the good news of the gospel. And they need a community that is unified and walking with God to make sense of that. That's what I tell them about your church. I think you are a great people and I wanna encourage you, surrender daily, invest in the church richly and share the church often and share boldly and pray for one another as you do that. And then ask for help when you need it because there are a lot of people here that wanna help do that. God is using you right now to impact the lives of many and there's more to come. Let's keep at it. Let me pray. God, thank you for the ways in which you work. We don't fully understand them. We don't fully grasp the full plan, but that's not important. We see evidences of what you have done and what you have invested and how you have given life. And so God, I pray this morning for those who are considering that and kicking that around, God, I pray that you'd give clarity and in the right time that that clarity would come. God, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the ways that you have rescued us and brought us this life. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen.